bored for the rest of your life. We just have to figure out why your body's unhappy. Your body's just asking for help. Right. And so, uh, for everyone else who's kind of wondering what PCOS is, just in case, uh, polycystic ovarian syndrome is the actual diagnosis. And uh, the clinical presentation is usually a woman will come in and have cysts on their ovaries. And they have, uh, I don't know, they're probably anywhere from their 20s up to their 40s, right? Is usually the most common ages I think we've seen. Mm -hmm. And you'll have a woman uh, have their menstrual cycle be uh, impeded. There would be uh, irregulations. There would be, uh, you know, symptoms like uh, painful cycles, uh, heavy bleeding, maybe not enough bleeding, maybe clotting. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had uh, several women say that they've hunched over in pain so bad to where uh, they f- are fearful every time their cycle happens. And uh, they've... They've even gone so far as to go and get on birth control, which is may or may not have been the culprit to begin with. That's the thing we'll get into. But, you, you know, it's that's the clinical presentation. And the mainstream aspect of it, too, is that you have more women who are being diagnosed with this because I think this is a bigger problem. I mean, this is very common, unfortunately. Right. I think that's what you've seen. And so you probably saw it. And I know we talked about this before. You saw it. We had to say you had to say something about this because women were not getting right information about it. Or, and and right now with our looking at it, insulin resistance seems to be the underlying issue, right? For most women. For mm-hmm. most women, mm-hmm. right? And I think that's what I've seen too. So insulin resistance looks like what? What it's going to do, well, what's happening is the body's not able to use insulin properly, right? So we're seeing these higher levels, we're seeing blood sugar out of control, and then this manifests as many symptoms for women. So like you mentioned, that could be the birth control, it could, or I'm sorry, the irregular menstrual cycles, heavy cycles, Um, it could be weight gain. And what I see a lot is, hey, I'm eating healthy, I'm working out, but I'm gaining weight, I'm always hungry. Mm -hmm. And then we go into this really bad relationship with food because women are trying to put themselves on diets and they're like, nothing's working. So then there's this like emotional component to insulin resistance. And I'm not saying I read a study on that. That's just what I see a lot. Um, And then we see a lot of excess hair growth and that can make somebody feel really bad about themselves, poor body image. So that's on usually hormonal places of the body. So chest, back, um, places on the face, like the jaw above the lip. And then we might see hair loss on the, on the crown of the head. So that's kind of your standard insulin resistant picture. If a female with PCOS has that as a root cause. And what's interesting about that too, is that that actually could be presented as a diabetic as well. Mm-hmm. And what's that's interesting, what I was gonna get to, yeah. and, but the, those symptoms are not what are typically pre- taught as a, what you're supposed to see in a diabetic patient. Right. Cause PCOS is on the journey to diabetes and the the thing that frustrates me the most and that's why I want to get this information out is you know some provider saying if you don't want to get pregnant don't worry about it now just go on birth control go on metformin well you're setting up women to have these chronic illnesses down the road and that's not fair to them and we need to get that information out I get that and and the chronic illness may be that we're masking what could possibly be reversed yes Mm mm-hmm Right. And you've seen that. I mean, you personally have seen it. You've helped women reverse this and manage it and Mm -hmm. it not be a problem anymore. Correct. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. Yeah. And it's very, it's very simple approaches. Right. But I liked how you incorporated a very holistic way of looking at PCOS. Most uh, allopathic ways of looking at it is very one-sided, right? Maybe narrow-minded as well. You incorporated things like the adrenal system. Mm -hmm. All right. So what are you finding with the adrenals uh, and when their role in all of this? stressed out 
Like we just live in, so to back up, PCOS does have a genetic component. So there has to be somebody on the maternal or paternal side that's showing some either PCOS or prediabetes or metabolic syndrome. And then the way I describe it to clients is there was like a light switch that got flipped slowly on. And that's from the environment. So I say that because, hey, what's happening in the adrenals? Well, if you already had this genetic predisposition, then you take, um, you know, you're working a 60-hour job that you don't like and you're not eating regular meals throughout the day because you're stressed and you're fueling on caffeine and you're having a 100-calorie pack snack for lunch, right? So these are all the environmental triggers. You're drinking out of tons of plastic cups. That flips the switch and then there you go. So that's stressing out the adrenals and the rest of your system too. Could you make the case that, if you do that, that PCOS is just a byproduct of something that was going to genetically happen in that area. Maybe it was for other people that the switch for, you know, whatever the like lifestyle. Autoimmune yeah, the autoimmune yeah. will happen yep. somewhere else, right? Yeah. Right. And we live in just a more toxic environment, right? Like we're more overwhelmed emotionally and then physically there's more burden on our bodies. So I think that's why we're also seeing more PCOS and more reproductive issues, right? Right. In and general. I, and I think it's because we've we've thrown a lot of unneeded things in that direction from uh, from a medical standpoint. And I say uh, the Americanized medical system, and we should probably refer to that now because in the last 100 years – the American medical system is very different from the traditional of thousands of years past of giving cinnamon for, you know, insulin issues right. yeah. and, and, and fenugreek and chromium, uh, you know, we're very simple. We've thrown a bunch of things like birth control, which are, you know, synthetic hormones that are uh, very hard to process in a developing woman. And, you know, a lot of times when I hear a woman is getting uh, close to having a hysterectomy, you know, you, you, yeah, you shake your head at it and it's incredible because there's a lot of women who will say, okay, that sounds like a good idea, right? That makes sense. Well, they it, trust a doctor. And, and that's, well, you know, that's, that is a true, of course, but it's also that this is only one answer that's being presented, Yeah. right? And I think what's really interesting is that most doctors, you know, won't be trained on PCOS from a nutritional standpoint. Because they don't associate – I mean they know diabetes and nutrition go hand in hand, but they don't know that type 4 diabetes is PCOS because they don't see that connection. They would refer to it as a separate you know, issue in the body. PCOS is a total body syndrome, right? You have to look at thyroid health. You have to look at liver health. You're not just looking at reproductive health, adrenal health, gut health. Yeah emotional well-being and so yes it's like they're looking at it just from one lens do a low-carb diet take birth control metformin that's the approach it is yeah so um but it's 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 all hormone based right and is it all hormone based yeah it's horm the it manifests right as hormone imbalance but it doesn't mean the root cause sure. was a hormone imbalance well because i keep thinking like the stress thing, right? Like it's, we're more and more stressed. I mean, we can even talk about 5G. I mean, right now right. we have, what, six, seven, eight apparatuses pointing at us that are all emitting some sort of EMF connection, yeah. right? But that's also, in our case, why we go and do the saunas and all that stuff. Let's try to detox it as much as possible. But that also means that uh, women are getting on like birth control way sooner, right? Like way, way sooner. So I mean, I mean, I would expect that to be a big disruption to the whole process, which in which, let's say, 10 years later, that means more PCOS. Is that 
is there a connection there? Yeah. Well, we see, you know, it's amazing that women, right, have the freedom and flexibility to say, hey, if I want to focus on my career and this is important to me to have the pill and kind of have that independence, that's the cool thing about modern society, right? Um, But women aren't being told when they're put on birth control that it's shutting down the reproductive system. That's not a real bleed. It's just all, it's a fake bleed. It's not a real cycle. Um, Birth control pill interrupts the gut microbiome. Like I mentioned, it can interrupt blood sugar regulation and you're depleting key vitamins and minerals. And we're seeing that, you know, young women that get on birth control are more likely to be susceptible to anxiety and depression. And that's a really big issue, even, you know, suicidal thoughts. Um, So when we're not being told that women are being put on the pill, they feel like it's a good idea. It's, you know, safe for them. Then years later, they're having to reverse these nutrient deficiencies, getting the cycle regular again, maybe balancing out the emotional state. And if they had that pregenetic disposition to PCOS, that could trigger it. Or young women might have these irregular cycles, which can be normal the first few years, and they say, oh, let's get on the pill. Or you have really painful irregular cycles. Instead of figuring out if that's estrogen dominance or something going wrong, let's put you on the pill. So now we're seeing somebody maybe 35 years old, and they've been having issues since 12 or 13. So now you have to back it up. So kind of like a roundabout answer to your question. Yeah, but no. it's just, it's <clears throat> but just that's sad. how it is, right? Yeah. It's, there's not like a simple, like, it's not a simple like, oh yeah, just take that and you'll fix it. No. It's never that. And no. But we try to, even because there's always a roundabout answer, it just doesn't make sense that they always try to solve things with like, here's one thing. Right. And it's all individualized. <laughs> yeah. And what I see a lot too is, um, you know, women have tried like one diet for PCOS because you can go online and you can find a fad diet and you just, you have to take an individualized approach because somebody's thyroid could be off or somebody might have to work on gut health, even if they present with the same symptoms, you know what I mean? Yeah. Now you're a nutritionist by trade. Is that? Yeah. Dietitian. dietitian. So I went to school, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, go by nutritionist mostly. <laughs> nutritionist, dietitian. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to get into like, so what, how did you first get into PCOS? Like, why did that become your thing? Well, I was always a big fan of, like, the nutrition world in general. Grew up in a holistic household, you know, or my mom was really big into herbal medicine, so I thought plant medicine was always really cool. Um, so it made sense to go to college and do this. And then when I got to school, you're being taught, like, calories in, calories out, tube feeding in the hospitals, your 100-calorie snack for, you know, whatever. And so... I just didn't really click with that traditional approach. Um, So I was always trying to find ways to get more holistic. And then I was diagnosed with PCOS, which I thought was kind of crazy because I grew up fairly, you know, pretty healthy. Um, But now looking back, there was a lot of like metabolic stuff on both sides of my family. Both sides of my family have thyroid conditions. And so I think being stressed out in school, et cetera, that that flipped my switch on. Um, And I was told I had um, insulin resistance, I had thyroid conditions, anxiety, and so they put me on metformin, birth control, anxiety medication, thyroid medication, and my body just was like breaking down. It felt awful, um, didn't feel great on the medication at all, so I knew I had to do something. I'm like, I don't want to live like this the rest of my life. I'm a nutrition major. I grew up with a holistic background, and how am I finding myself in this position? So went on this long journey, like this seven to eight year journey of figuring out how to heal my body, you know, see providers that could support me in the integrative um, and functional medicine field. And then once I graduated, you know, after working for a couple private practices, I wanted to start my own thing. And I'm like, I have to give women this information on PCOS because I got through it. It 
really not only felt like it destroyed me physically with the symptoms, but emotionally, it was just like so challenging. And so knowing how that made me feel and knowing there's this whole like life of freedom that you can have, I wanted to be able to give that to other women too. So that's why I'm just super passionate about PCOS. I love your, your post that you always do about like, Hey, these are things that you can have, right? Cause, oh, uh, yeah. Because so many times you yourself. see posts about like, you shouldn't have these things. Yeah. Like, and I, we always talk about like, uh, why do the, why does any, in any subject, why are they always focus on the things you can't do or they shouldn't yeah. do? And why not focus or study? Like, well, what are the people that are getting away with it? Like, why are they getting away with it? Like in a, in a positive sense, like, you know, like in, in, during the vaccine stuff, it's like, well, what about we talk about the things that are the positive things, why people aren't getting sick. Let's do more of that. Let's, let, let's express that. But whatever, here and there. That's why I enjoy your right. And you know like, me personally. Like, yeah. I, like <clears throat> I live a balanced life, right? I don't, re- you don't have to restrict yourself. Yes, there's seasons of life. I tell my patients where we have to be more focused. Like we have to get your body to more resilient state. But my goal is for you to enjoy life in balance and not have fear-based thinking. So a big thing that I focus on too is mindset coaching. And I've gone on to get certifications and trainings in this where I can support people to have a healthy relationship with food because that's a big issue. Disordered eating is more common in women with PCOS and we're not talking about it enough. Well, I enjoy coming to dinner with you because sometimes (laughs) I'm like, I probably shouldn't eat that. And you'll offer that thing and I'm just like, hell yeah, I'm going to eat more of that. Like high quality stuff. (laughs) She told me I can (laughs) Yeah, it's like if she says it's okay, then it's okay. If she's giving me cheese and sourdough bread, I can eat it. (laughs) Yeah. So you still eat that too then? Yeah, like super balanced high quality um you know chocolate i don't yeah good dark chocolate i don't overdo anything because i don't like feeling bad right we should all make value-based decisions around our health if we ultimately want to reach a higher state of health and well-being then why in that moment are we going to make a reactive decision that makes us feel like crap it doesn't make sense right to me that took a while to get there and it does take a while to shift your mindset around food but you can enjoy the experience of it you can become what i call like a taste eater where you enjoy the flavors and then you move on and so uh yeah i'll do that i'll do that too actually uh it's like i'm in (laughs) well like one or two bites is like very easy for me to do uh like especially like i don't know let's say a pie or something, yeah. right? It's like, all right, cool. Like, and you have to, like, it's your, you know, grandmother's, your aunt's, or whatever. Yeah. It's like, all right, cool. And just take a bite or two. That's yeah. it. Like, it's just like, okay, our ch- and usually that's all I need. Yeah. And that flavor deal is really interesting because chemically speaking, you have a reaction that triggers, uh, like, pleasure, mm-hmm. right? And that's what people really try to go towards when it comes to their eating habits a lot of times is that they don't choose it based off nutrition anymore they don't even associate that with food sometimes they just say oh i know there's nutrition in there and i'm like yeah but you're making decisions based off like what makes you feel good what makes you feel love and what makes you feel love and that's it's very short-lived because they're thinking like I'm gonna feel this for like an hour or two after I eat. Like I'm gonna go get my 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 veg out meal or like what the uh, the pig out meal, stressed out meal at the mm-hmm. end of the week, right? Mm-hmm. It's not gonna taste good for three hours afterwards. You're gonna feel horrible for three hours afterwards and felt good maybe for the initial ten seconds you're eating it. That's really all it is, right? Ten seconds maybe. Yeah. There's a reactive way of thinking around food, or there's a value based approach to food, right? And you have to decide. If you're having those emotions, what do you need? What do you actually need for comfort and pleasure? Needing comfort and pleasure is okay. That's fine, right? But we can't do that through food because it doesn't last. It doesn't fill that deep desire 
yeah. the reason it's coming up. This, this void that won't be filled by food because you yeah. overeat thinking that that's what fills it, right? Like I eat more. It's like that's yeah. more pleasure. That's more love. That's more like reward. Yeah. It's incredible, right? And I'll, I'll tell people this. I'm like, do you actually – are you do you actually are, – are you hungry? You know, like is it coming from your stomach or is it coming from your head? Mm-hmm. And people a lot of times will be like, well, I don't – and now it's coming from the head. Like, well, that's a craving. Mm-hmm. You got you to gotta realize what a craving looks like and what hunger pains looks like, right? And I think that with PCOS, I like the mix of the adrenal stuff. If you have someone who eats sugar, I think they're stressing their body all the time. And I think it's overstressing the adrenal glands. It's too much. What's well, spiking cortisol, right? Well, it the sugar spiking cortisol, it's spiking dopamine release. It's spiking like adrenaline. Yeah. Okay. And what happens with this too, and I go back into the PCOS and the blood sugar. What people don't realize too, especially with like intermittent fasting, if a woman's trying to do this too, they they can kind of throw it off because stress will increase blood sugar naturally. Yes. And, and a lot of women don't realize this even when they are trying to eat. And, um, whenever a woman might go keto, for example, Mm -hmm. like, uh, they'll, they'll not eat for like eight, 10 hours. Right, just skip breakfast, skip mm-hmm. maybe lunch. Sometimes just by stress. Stress will literally cause you to basically skip a meal because it'll suppress your appetite. So then you're naturally not hungry, but you eat anyway, thinking you need to. That's a, another issue. But then when you finally do eat, your blood sugar has been spiked for six hours. Yeah. Right. You may have a coffee with sugar in it. Right. And I don't. I know you drink black coffee. Do you? You drink tea. I drink a little coffee now with a with breakfast. Yeah, mm-hmm. but not a lot of cream or sugar with mm-hmm. it. You're right. I mean, yeah. Because there's no need to, right? Yeah, no. There's not. It'll throw everything I love off. the bitter fla- like the bitter flavor of coffee. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I actually, <laughs> I've had a sip of it every now and then because I'll just, when it gets cold, you know, but the, the coffee or aspect. Camping. Or camping, right? Mm-hmm. But the caffeine of it <laughs> and the sugar, like the sugar overrides the caffeine sometimes. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem because if you have a sugar spike while you're having a caffeine high, it's probably got to be a weird feeling for the brain. Right, because think about it, like your sugar spiking now, your cortisol spiking, your adrenaline spiking, and then like the caffeine that goes to the brain stimulates you in another way that dopamine doesn't. Right? Yeah. Well, the last time I had some a little bit of sugar in my coffee, I just couldn't drink it. You know, it's just like this is, I just didn't feel good. You know, like now I put a, uh, what is it, L-theanine in my coffee, mm. and I'm just like sharp, like halfway through the cup, I'm just like, oh my god, like I need to get a bunch of shit done. Now it's funny, but I stopped doing it because I was doing it like with my when I first started drinking the coffee, and I was just like, "Oh, I need to do stuff," because I was already focused. Now I'm doing it like towards the end of my coffee cup when I'm done. I'm about to go to work. Yeah, that's hilarious. (laughs) So coffee hacks. So on the flip side, vitamin (laughs) hack. So last night I did two scoops of chill, uh, and and I felt the difference. So the chill that we have. Apparently, she's drinking. that you're drinking right mm-hmm. here, this is a PCOS drink. Mm-hmm. Okay. It has an acetal in it. It has an acetal in it, the theanine. It has GABA. It has, I think, a little taurine in there. A little taurine. All right. <clears throat> and then, uh, gosh, I know I'm missing something else too, but the nasterstol is a really good one. But uh, all those are like insulin regulators and supporters as well. So I think uh, what I was noticing, it. It, we call it chill because it relaxed me. I think it put me in a parasympathetic mode. I was super chill last night. I was well, almost that's, goofy. That's like the point kind of, of yeah, that. Yeah, it was yeah. funny. That's the point of that drink is to get you into parasympathetic, but not like knocking you out where you're going to go to sleep. 
right? Because you don't want that. Yeah, I was like, oh, I got clients after this. I'm going to get Yeah, no, 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 no. Now, if you drink it at night and you're starting to produce melatonin, then yeah, it'll probably knock you out. And that's that's what I was going for yeah. is just that approach right there. And it, I did. I felt a little kind of like, oh, this is interesting. Yeah. You know, like it's a little loopy. But um, I've never done the two scoop. The one, like plenty of time before, like people just, it takes a little bit of the edge off. Mm-hmm. But looking at those ingredients for the blood sugar deal, you know, that's what's really fascinating about it. Like it's another cool way to like take supplements and you know taste good, right? Taste oh, yeah. delicious. We should see right? the doctor's reference sheets on that. Like, there's so much. I think it even mentions PCOS in there, uh, in our doctor's reference sheets for that. So, yeah. awesome. but it's nutrition. It mm-hmm. goes back again to nutrition. Yep. Well, what you said about the blood sugar again, I, I almost like a lot of these fad diets. I feel like they almost cause harm in a way because when you get a female that has blood sugar dysregulation, or women in general are just more sensitive to to swings in blood sugar, right? So if you get a female that's trying to do these really intense fasts, like overcutting out carbs or having the coffee and then not eating all day thinking, eh, it's not a big deal, like that's part of keto, then they're almost exacerbating the issue too. And then we have to like rewind and be like, pretend everything you read on the internet doesn't exist for your body. It doesn't yeah. mean these aren't good for some people, but um, I've noticed like they cause a lot of harm when they're just being like blasted and people are like this is what i should do maybe yeah your body yeah i get that and you know full disclaimer for all this this is not cure treating or diagnosing anything (laughs) this is more of the idea that your biochemical pathways uh support things that help you regulate insulin better so one of the other things we like to suggest is resveratrol yep and resveratrol is a great insulin regulator and we actually from a clinical standpoint we give it in labs to help regulate insulin better. If a woman has insulin resistance, we find out that they have uh, they have a lot of problems probably with their estrogen and their, their PCOS. Resveratrol plays a big role in estrogen metabolism. Yeah, yeah. and so it's, it's uh, something we recommend as well. I, I just took mine this morning mm-hmm. actually because from, from my standpoint, uh, obviously I'm not female, but I am at risk for diabetes. Mm-hmm. Okay, like both my parents, my dad had at one point, my mom has it, it right now, she's reversing it through mm-hmm. diet and nutrition and all that. But if you say like, what are supplements that you can take to support the progression of, and, and managing of it, we're, we're testing out, you know, the, the resveratrol. And, it, and I think it's important because uh, the way I look at it is if you take it before a meal. Well, it's right. like a, well, you know, the people talk about superfoods. It's almost like a super vitamin. Right? It is. It is. Yeah. It is. And, and I, I imagine, you know, you can kind of take it before a meal before you actually eat something, right? So it doesn't go as high. And mm-hmm. that's kind of what you do with like metformin and like, and, you know, a couple of the other yeah. things like cinnamon. Like mm-hmm. that's why they've always told you to take cinnamon with meals. So that way if you're, you're eating a lot of sugar. Um, and I think uh, if you can, can minimize the spike in blood sugar. I think what you're looking at is you're not causing insulin dysfunction. Yep. And with PCOS, I think insulin dysfunction is a key role in it. I think uh, uh, the stress of the adrenals mm-hmm. and sympathetic response plays a huge role. So anything mm-hmm. you can do to kind of relax that as well. You mentioned the gut, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm like, because mm, it's such a it's such a fascinating topic to me because your gut plays a role in so much, but insulin regulation, estrogen metabolism, right? It affects just the overall inflammation of the body and even your thyroid health and thyroid's big with PCOS, obviously insulin and obviously estrogen metabolism and weight, right? (laughs) Like getting weight under control and, and food cravings. There's just so much. So I try to like go right after the gut. Um, everybody's a little bit different depending on what they've been through and they've been on antibiotics their whole life, et cetera. But 
is such a big piece. Like how cool would it be if the doctors, you know, you walk in, you get a PCOS diagnosis and it's like, here, here's what you do for all these body systems. Yep. And, yeah. you know, and they walk out with that. So maybe that's a dream someday. Is it, but is that what you do? <laughs> Pretty much, like, in a roundabout <laughs> way, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, like, it's great when people can come to me, but there's a lot of women out there, and it's just, I don't know. Like, I want all of them to have the answers. <laughs> I, I think that's the group effort is uh, yeah. the communal effort to to get this yeah. message out. And yeah. I think uh, you're – we're having a woman like yourself talking about a, a female issue – and and speaking from a personal standpoint, yeah. most doctors, uh, you know, the old school mentality was it's a white male, yeah, right, telling them, telling Oof. them this is how you should treat your body, and then this is you know what we're going to do for you, yeah. And the nutritional side of it is a foundation of any health issue. I mean, that's really what it comes down yeah. to. I think it's more about kind of customizing something that meets your your lifestyle, mm-hmm. right? And I mm-hmm. think PCOS is a big lifestyle change for most women. It is. And that's why you have to be gentle with it, too, because you can't tell somebody every second of your day has to change like your whole life is wrong. Right. It's like you have to just slowly pivot and make it, you know, in a way where somebody's going to enjoy living this way, because if you got PCOS, like that's something you have to work on your whole life, but it doesn't have to feel like a chore. You know what I mean? So it's yep. like you do have to well, you didn't get it overnight. Right. Like you didn't do that to yourself overnight. overnight no, yeah. no. So, yeah, and you have to protect your body long-term, too. Or, like, fixing the gut is going to just take, you know, a couple of days, right? I'm just over that <laughs> word fix. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> fix in general. We heal, we, and it's always a journey. <laughs> I, I, I used to think that, too, uh, being a chiropractor, you yeah. know, first, there, you know, people like, oh, healer, and I was like, I don't think so. Like, I don't, I don't think that's how it works. Like, most of the people do the work themselves. Yeah. Like, you know, you're not going to go to a restaurant order for someone, really. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. it, if if someone's going to do the work and get to bed early and do their stretches at home and, you know, maybe go outside on their own, you know, that's actually the best thing they can do for them. Mm-hmm. Recommending, you know, those things takes them so far. Yeah. Right. And I think that the idea of I want to fix this. I think the reason why we like that word is because it changes the, the mindset. Yeah. Right. And I think that's what we want. We want a diagnosis. We want to mm-hmm. say, give me a solution. Give me an answer. Tell me exactly what to do. And I will go do this now if it's going to get me to the end goal. And that's the thing. Fix almost means like, okay, and then we're done. Mm-hmm. Like I mm-hmm. fixed but that also, it. word also implies that it's broken, right? It's and, broken. And, yeah. You know, it's whatever. Like it's neither here nor there. I do want to get into something that you mentioned um, that's also very near and dear to us currently is the metabolic syndrome. And how that plays a part into PCOS. And then in our case, how it plays a part into like athletic performance and how those two could tie together, PCOS and athletic performance. Oh, well, I mean, with PCOS, it's just putting you at a higher risk for metabolic syndrome, right? If you're not addressing it. So again, I always tell women not from a fear based approach, but saying, Hey, we have to really watch out for this because it's putting you at risk, um, for these chronic disease states. And then from an athletic perspective, I mean, I would love to hear yeah. like what you're thinking about that. Um, and that's not my, uh, specialty. We were just talking about this before. So the, the blood sugar, um, mm-hmm. two examples, my mom is, uh, is, a uh, is measuring her blood sugar in the morning and I think it's around like 80 to 90. Mm-hmm really good and i said well what's it like um after you eat a meal mm-hmm. and then like what's it like at one or two in the afternoon okay and i think she really eats her meal towards the end of the day so um i'm gonna say what's it like after you know you eat like towards the end of the night 
you know, like before you go to bed. I think that'd be great to check because I think it's going to fluctuate. And if hers is like 80 or 90, I think it's fascinating because most athletes are not that low. Mm. If they are low, I used to see it to where they're ridiculously like I saw one person who was like 40 or 50 blood sugar. And so it begs the question of saying, what does hypoglycemia or low blood sugar look like? If my mom ever got really low blood sugar, when would that happen? Because an endurance athlete, if they ever have a low case of blood sugar, what does that look like for a person that has six-pack abs running marathons, right? They tend to have hypothyroid issues. They tend to have like dysfunction of the gut. They tend to have hormone imbalance. They may be sleep disorder. They have energy issues. And what's interesting is if their blood sugar is too low, that's what the issue is. But maybe their blood sugar needs to be higher. Mm-hmm. And that's what's fascinating is that no one's talking about there's a range of blood sugar for everyone. If the person's individual blood sugar range can be between, let's say, the typical cutoff is 100 and then you're like typical diabetic. If you're like at 120, let's say you run races and you're running a marathon and you're not eating for three hours and you're running and using a lot of energy, you're going to pull a lot of sugar from your liver. Right, Mm -hmm. which naturally raises your blood sugar. Mm -hmm. Okay, and so to me, I'm thinking they need high blood sugar. But we treat blood sugar like that's the only issue. I think it's more of how we, once again, the reactive, you said it earlier, how do you react to blood sugar? And so athletes, what's what's credible is what's raising the blood sugar in their case, the adrenals. It's, It's the adrenaline and the cortisol. Right. It has nothing to do with them eating. And so what's interesting is insulin may may or not be spiking. Mm-hmm. Right? So you make the case they become more insulin sensitive. Well, because an adrenal-based PCOS is completely separate from insulin. Insulin's not an issue. So it's kind of like what you're saying. Yeah. Right? It's very similar. Right. But and that's why you said – I loved it how you said, like, the connection is there. Yeah. Because imagine the same way that a person would run a marathon is the same type of – mental stress that someone's doing by sitting at home being depressed all the time overeating sugar it's the same type of stress on the body it releases the same hormones yep right and so what's incredible is that this person overeats but now you look at the person who's sitting at home eating not getting off the couch it's being stored in the liver and then it gets stored in the fat cells okay and and imagine like in stress mode with this person decides i'm not going to eat for a minute their blood sugar naturally spikes due to stress rush hour traffic horrible mm-hmm. email, right, mm-hmm. et cetera, and their sugar can spike 30, 40 points. Mm-hmm. And then they decide, I'm going to eat. And then they eat, and blood sugar spikes another 30, 40, depending on what they eat, right? So it's, it's just, if it goes that high, it has to come down. And I think what happens is with uh, athletes, it might not go as low as we think. In diabetics, it shouldn't go as low as we think, right? So if a diabetic's range is like 90 to 130, that practitioner will probably say, that's a good win. You know, like, I'll take that. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. it's not going too high. It's not going too low. Mm-hmm. And then you'll say, now let's address the insulin. Let's address the, the, the adrenals, right? And and most doctors, like I said, have been passing the buck around and saying, well, let, we'll send you the endocrinologist. Mm-hmm. We'll send you to the gastroenterologist. Right? Mm-hmm. And it's just like, no, like, teach them how to eat right. Mm-hmm. We'll send you to the dietitian. Yeah. And what's incredible is because I love your approach. Most dietitians don't have your approach. And that's what no. you saw. Yeah. That's, I joke, I'm like, even in school, I didn't have a lot of dietitian friends. I actually hung out with a lot of the like sustainability people doing <laughs> the organic gardening and yeah. farming. Cause I just, I was like, I'm so weird. I'm thinking so different than them. And 
with me. I'm I not mean, weird, but I was I was in nurse yeah. practitioner school yeah. when I was going to chiropractor school. So oh I was a, I was an outcast too. Yeah, you had no friends probably. <laughs> yeah, I got people that looked at me like, "What are you doing here?" Like you know, like I don't, I want to do my own thing. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, you know, have your own path. Be, yeah, and I I think that uh, nutrition can be completely backwards from what we thought. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the food pyramid with the grains as the base of it. Right. And then you had now like the keto idea that, you know, dairy's okay, I guess, in moderation for some. But for most people, if it's like the majority of their diet, that's not a good thing. No, because that can it can impact insulin. Right. I'm not saying like eat a whole block of cheese. It's just you have to know what's right for your body. And it's funny when you said the uh, pyramid, because when I first was diagnosed with PCOS, I was like, I got to get my whatever it was, like 32 grams of whole grains a day. So I'd eat my like Nature's Valley granola bar and an apple for a snack, my whole wheat oh my sandwich. God. And I'm like, and then my doctor's like, why is your insulin and blood sugar off the chart? And I was like, I don't know. I eat healthy. And you, and I also want to bring up a good point of what you just said. So imagine someone says, well, diabetes runs in my family. Mm-hmm. I always say, well, like you can create diabetes because diabetes is an autoimmune disorder. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it can start with you. Mm-hmm. Right, and it's weird. The processed Nutri bars and Nutrigain bars, even of the last ten years, are probably different than the last thirty years. Yeah, the processed ingredients are a derivative of a derivative every decade. Yep, and it's like none of this stuff we can digest. It all tore up our guts. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah, it yeah. tore up our guts, and then, and this is just what I imagine how PCOS became abundant. If you want to look at the cause, all these uh, teenage girls had uh, horrible guts from antibiotic use due to strep infections or ear infections were given antibiotics at an early age tore up all their guts never took probiotics started eating a bunch of processed fast food Mm -hmm. with horrible uh, sodas and and cokes and then uh, was given birth control because they all had horrible acne from all that and then uh, they were put on birth control for however they long because they were all career driven right and Mm -hmm. then all of a sudden now uh, that's one aspect, or maybe the idea that they just didn't want to have a family was the other, yeah. right? So there's covers a big majority of the population. Yep. They get to the 20s or 30s, and then you and know, then they like, do want to have a family, and they do want to have a family, or they keep liking where they're at, and they had to extend it for another eight years. Yeah. So is that right? something you, uh, that's yeah, a common yeah. thing that you have? Is people trying to get pregnant. regular to get pregnant? Yeah, and then they say, "Hey, I went to my doctor. My cycle was off. Diagnosed with PCOS." been focusing on my career been on the pill for 15 years and now it's like a time it's a a race against the clock right because people are starting families later yeah that biological clock is ticking i hate that because if you get pregnant in like your late 30s you're considered a geriatric pregnancy (laughs) yeah like it's it's they they call you like doctors have said that to women before they're so infuriated it is so ridiculous and i'm like who came up with this no female doctor came up with this term right no and just the stress around that right it's like your mind can just like be so sabotage like such a self-sabotage well imagine if you go into a pregnancy thinking i'm already more at risk of losing this baby and that's already your mindset that's just can be so impactful to the whole situation well i just look at any female at this point right now and i love the fact that you're actually an advocate for females health a female's mm-hmm. health uh you you imagine females and women have to stand up for their own body yeah. because most doctors will be so quick to say well let's just insert it here and take it out here and then we'll give you this and and you don't know what the long-term repercussions are yes that's right. a huge thing i try to educate like Hey, I'm not judging you for whatever medication, whatever approach, but let me tell you the education on it because you need to learn to be an advocate for your body. We have to obviously trust our healthcare providers, but you have to know what's right for you. 
Like you have to use your intuition too. Right. With backed up by knowledge. <laughs> and and that's what most women have a problem with is that they hear this stuff and they forget it. And I'm just like, well, let's let's also just think about this. Do you have the ability to control what goes in your body to a certain degree? Yeah, yeah, I think you do. Okay, so ask the doctor of a very couple, you know, simple questions. Is this going to help me long term? Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that's one of the one of the things that's very easy to say, like, what's this going to look for me long term? See what they say. If they say, oh, it's safe. I can tell you right now, that's not completely true. Yep. Right. Because from the side of us seeing clients all the time, we always hear. And I mean, it's it's horror stories sometimes. It's never usually with guys. Right. I've never heard like guys had a horrible history with hormones growing up. And all of a sudden they became infertile when they were 30. I know. No, it's never that. I mean, it's more like endometriosis, partial hysterectomies, thyroidectomies, gallbladder removals, gas, uh, gastric bypass, colon cancer, mm-hmm. a lot of colon cancer in women, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And, of course, breast cancer. Yep. And I look at the advocacy of your own body as it's your sovereignty. Like, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't imagine, like, I look at food and I went to something this morning and they had breakfast tacos and i'm already thinking like whether well, <laughs> yeah uh yeah it was from a fast food chain i'm just like i can't you know, i don't even want to go through it like, i'm not just, even gonna, I'm not even gonna go yeah yeah so like i'm that particular about food yeah the quality but you should be you should but be you should be yeah wait did you get uh recommended to take your thyroid out at some point no okay. thankfully um i was on medication pretty young i was even before the PCOS diagnosis, uh, they started seeing like the antibodies and they were like, hmm, this is strange. Like she's a healthy young girl. You had Hashimoto's already? Yeah. But I reversed it. I mean, that you have to be light with that term. Like not everybody. So your, the same. Uh, your antibodies went down? They went down when I took out all the processed grains. So what's fascinating, you probably studied on Hashimoto's growing up too as well. And, and probably also in the last like decade or so. Um, so like Brownstein. Mm-hmm. There's another guy that, that talks about Hashimoto's all the time. He, uh, and what's fascinating is uh, there was the, even the concept that is Hashimoto's reversible. Is that a, is that a term? Can you say yeah. that? Can you say we reversed an autoimmune disorder? And I don't think you can. I mm-hmm. think you manage it and you, you, manage you suppress it, it yep. in, in a good way. Mm-hmm. And there's no exacerbations mm-hmm. because I've seen flare-ups. So here's going back to the PCOS. That's why the fixed is not a great term because it's like, you can't just say, well, this is, I can go back to the way I ate. No. Yeah. Like, no, this is just how you eat now. Life. This is how you yeah. live your life. I've heard about with MS. Mm-hmm. I've, I've heard a lot of people throughout the years that said they reversed their MS. Mm-hmm. Another autoimmune disorder. Right. And it was a lot of diet changes. A couple were just went straight vegan and they, they did it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's the power of food is that if food can create this, then it can reverse it. Mm hmm. And that's what's incredible is you don't need a prescription for it, but yet people go out of their way to find people to say, recommend what to eat. And I'm like, man, like. Well, there, everything's all just biochemical reactions, right? And yeah. So, and responses to those biochemical reactions. And where are you going to get those biochemicals from? Yeah. But still, <laughs> it goes deeper than that because that's what I thought too. And then you had to go study further to understand the hormonal aspect and the biochemical reaction because it's not like, well, no, we don't get everything from our food. Correct. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that's the basis of it. But then there's like a nervous system response and how we respond to our food. Yeah. And that throws everything off. Just the nervous system in general. And I'll share, I did tons of EMDR therapy after this journey with PCOS. I was like so traumatized 
through. I'm like a pretty sensitive person anyway, so I think I kind of run up here. And um, I was just like, God, I still have this like in baseline anxiety. Like I f- otherwise I feel good. I'm doing all the things. And the therapist helped me uncover like I had a lot of medical trauma with providers, like the way they spoke to me, some mm-hmm. of the like approaches they took, uh, some of the things that were said were just like out crazy. And, and just like when you're so in your own head about what's going on, like how that happens. So again, the nervous system regulation just in general. And so it was quite so grateful for the journey, right? Because it kind of makes you like live your life in a way not restrictive at all, but it keeps you in check. It's like, oh, it keeps me in check to keep my stress low, to keep a simple life, to focus on the stuff that really matters, to not get overworked. Um, but I had to share that because of the nervous system, I think we're not paying enough attention to the nervous system brain connection. And that's something I try to like bring to light with clients and then refer out as much as I can because that plays such a big role. And not even just the food connection, right? Just the nervous well, system, yeah. the adrenals. They're oh, yeah. energetic imprints, right? The, and yeah. even the energy. way you, because in another lifetime or cur- this current lifetime, you were also a Reiki master. Yeah, all the energy. Yeah, we didn't even <laughs> talk about that, but that's a big piece of like just how I live my life. Um, so yeah, it's a whole spiritual journey. <laughs> yeah, but, and so, and what I was getting to with the Reiki stuff, it's like, it's all ener- energy, the study of energy, I would I would say, yeah. or mm-hmm. at least a study of mm-hmm. energy uh and we always talk about like we can create so many conditions just by our thoughts alone yeah right and so tying all this together like the way that people speak about food or the way that doctors speak to people about food mm-hmm. and the fixing and like the, there's some wrong there's something wrong there's something bad like those are all things that just influence the whole uh, nervous system reaction to it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like I tell people, you know, connect with your food, like connect with the energy of it. Is it a fresh meal that you got? Like think about how it's going to nourish your body because your thoughts matter. You could be eating the perfect diet, but if you're, you're like, ah, I'm not doing enough. Is this, this better fix me? It's having like the opposite. So yeah, yeah energy is a big thing. And that's how you can also eat a slice of pizza and enjoy it. And, and not, yeah. A slice of pizza. A slice of or pizza. Or two. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> well, I was I was telling you earlier so about the ice baths. Yeah. So, cool. so I I don't eat like pizza pizza anymore. Yeah. yeah. We still eat, I still eat a lot of pizza though. And I just eat a very different kind of pizza and I eat pancakes and all stuff and I really was just like when someone when I was talking about it earlier it was like, "Hey, you're kind of leaning out." And I was thinking like, "Is my diet really changed that much cuz I still eat a lot of like s- certain favorite foods i just i i go out of my way to eat really healthy food most of the mm-hmm. time now so i don't really have to think about it i'm just like do i yeah i do i guess i do that's just the way i eat now right but then what's really been the biggest difference is like the ice baths and the saunas mm-hmm. which i think i mean you feel the difference in doing them it, it it can actually and you know help regulate blood sugar yeah and and i think that cold therapy is always anti-inflammation if you have insulin dysfunction you have inflammation it mm-hmm. could affect your thyroid obviously mm-hmm. uh, we didn't talk about the liver but it could affect your liver right there's a lot of liver inflammation with pcos yeah. non-alcoholic fatty liver disease yes exactly um and then if you have an overabundance of adrenal firing you have inflammation somewhere on in the brain i'm just yeah. guessing mm-hmm. right and if your gut cannot be functioning you're not pooping out the detox that you should be getting from the good nights of sleep that you should have had the night before. And if your sleep's disrupted, that's probably also found in PCOS too. I can't imagine someone with PCOS has good sleep. Mm-hmm. The Blood probably, sugar. Yeah. yeah. So a lot of those things take a lot more than just saying, here's metformin. So, yeah. <laughs> and like, 
it can be, you know, a lot of times, yeah, you have to deep dive and it's really detailed. But at the end of the day, like, we, regardless of if we have PCOS or an autoimmune condition, we should all be eating fresh, whole, real food, right? It's not like, oh, I have to eat different. My girlfriend gets to eat whatever she wants or I'm with my boyfriend and he doesn't gain the weight like I do. And it's like, that doesn't matter. Like, we should all just be eating whole, real food and enjoying it. Like, that's my, like, most simple. Yeah. <laughs> I tell them they feel like crap, too. Yeah. I'm honestly, like, there's tons of guys that we see that might look fit. They're not. Like crap inside. They, yeah. they don't speak up. The women that they're with speak up for them, right? <laughs> Baldo's seen this throughout the years. Like, oh, you should talk to my husband because he's really bad. He won't ever say it. You know, I'm just like, yeah, that's, that's something you should speak up about. It's You're not broken. Yeah. That's If you want to say women don't think they're broken, women, uh, men think they're broken. Like, it's really incredible that they tend to think, like, don't speak about anything. The gut issues, the idea that they're just overeating and stressed. A lot of it's like alcohol deal, too. And so here's the other crazy thing. You talk about PCOS, think about alcoholic drinks. Think about the margaritas. Think about pina coladas or whatever, right? Daiquiris. Like, all those things are sugary, and especially here in Texas, everyone has margaritas. Yeah. And so we had to tell one client, like, every time that you have one, you're literally causing your PCOS to get worse. So imagine her drinking around her cycle mm-hmm. and she woke up one day like passed out mm-hmm. like because she was so in pain and then the blood sugar, whatever happened. I'm just like, oh, my God, why do you do this to yourself? You know, like alcohol is one thing and that's a that's a harder solution than most people think, but it's still a lot of sugar. So imagine the sugar from that plus sugar from the alcohol itself. Yeah, and then the sugar you eat from whatever processed foods you ate, the processed oils, the medication you're taking, the supplements you're taking, all it's going through the liver. Yep. And it's very hard for the liver to take all that in and do something with it, you know. And so, you know, the the lifestyle changes such everything. Like God bless. Like if you could get everyone to change that, you know, they how much healthier would you be? I know. And actually enjoy your life. People are like, I don't want to change my life. Like. How that's so hard. But it, it, is it a good quality of life if they're in pain and they're I passing know. out and they don't feel good and they're just like, I I bleed for like, you know, you ever met those women they are still on birth control and still bleed? Yeah. Like still bleed? And they're mm-hmm. like, I don't get it. My doctor just says, I just, that's what I do. Yeah. One thing that's scary too, I'm like scary, but you know, libido goes way down. It's like, well, we're on birth control to prevent pregnancy, but then we're not even having that connection with our partners because our libido is so low. Um, and I'm actually doing a whole three-day series with a sex therapist we're doing we're doing all angles of libido so that's gonna be super cool in january but um it's really unfortunate because then it does affect connection with other people it's beyond just what's going on in your body um so another thing that that we're not talking about enough with pcos pcos and libido (laughs) well that's that's a good point and you don't think about it that way because yeah especially around the cycle imagine if you're in pain you're like don't touch me well pain and you just get shut down anyways or if you're not feeling confident in your body there's this whole body image piece i mean mm-hmm. there's i've read tons of studies about this and i'm like yep that's the next thing <laughs> gotta talk about it wow well there so, you go so we're having her back for um lunch and learn on the 10th i believe i think so. i'm coming back nice. i think between noon and is that here or is that a different location no, that's here, here. That's here. here. okay here. maybe we should make it that pcos and libido Ooh. just to just to make it a nice segue for your january program that's that'd be um, so cool Ooh. Right? I like, like that. I mean, why not? Yeah. I like that. Sex sells, so. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's a working title, whatever. Whatever we have, it's a working title. Yeah, maybe not sex sells. <laughs> <laughs> sex and PCOS. Yeah. Yeah. I'll come up with it. I've got a couple Something. weeks. 
I'm just saying that's just a thought out there. But anyways, yeah, that's good. as we're wrapping up here, where can they find you? Um, um, yeah, where can they find you? And uh, well, yeah, let's start there. Okay, so womensnutritionclinic.com has it all. You mentioned the um, Instagram, but on Women's Nutrition Clinic under the resources tab, there's a YouTube channel. I put a lot of education up there. There's tons of blogs. And I just came out with my uh, 2.0 version of the PCOS course. So that's super cool. It basically covers um, all these areas of PCOS and it just gets the foundational information out, right? We're not going into like individual specifics, but that's a great starting point. I have a um, like a guest uh, instructor who teaches like a PCOS movement routine, which is really cool. So I'm super excited about that. I just finished that up. And if anybody is interested in trying to meet one-on-one, I offer a complimentary call too. So just go to the website and you'll find nice. it Nice. And then mm-hmm. we'll put it on the show notes as well cool. too. So yeah. Other than that, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me. You guys are so supportive. I was just reminiscing, like, wow, we did this three years ago. We met four years ago. Four years ago in January is when I came to this office when you had just got here. So it's cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. And uh, Meg, who introduced us.